0: Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10am right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace, uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then, then at least help, let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inherent word of God and they're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So, so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you. We are by our human nature, people who anticipate and have great expectations of what is to come. Has anyone read that in the paper this week? Yeah, we had a lovely little little blurb in there, which was, which was nice. So that's a, my message in a snapshot. If you want it in 250 words, you can just read the paper. But if not, stick, stick along listening with me this morning. Because we believe that tomorrow will always be better. Even when we say we can't wait until something is over, What we're actually saying is we can't can't wait to get past it and on to the next thing. And this year of 2020, I think everyone is anticipating a better 2021. Anticipation and expectation are things that drive us. And these can be incredibly positive and they can take us on to new and better and best. They can drive careers. They can help us lead meaningful existences. They can help us strive. But there can also be a downward side to this because all frustrations are birthed out of unmet expectations. People that are angry and bitter, they have had expectations and anticipation. You know, it it hasn't worked out and so the anger and frustration is the response of those expectations and anticipations not being met. If I get frustrated... It's nearly always because my expectations have not been met. And this whole season that we're in right now is all built upon expectation. When it is this close to Christmas, the anticipation for Christmas morning is strong among many of us. Who's really not looking forward to Christmas morning? No one. Everyone's looking forward to it. There's that anticipation that's built up. And for kids especially, what is wrapped under the tree? Who goes along and and does the little shake and, you know, tries to work out what it is? Judy, just being dobbed in nicely. Yeah. But what joy is there for us as we celebrate with family? As you know, I'm really looking forward to our Christmas this year. Four generations of warders in our house. I pick up my pa from banala on Tuesday. That's great. Another family arrived Tuesday and Wednesday. But what we are being promised in this season by the commercials on TV, the ads in the paper, and even our own romantic expectations, they've all been created by what is, has been deemed hyper-reality, the insta-world reality the insta world That we live in, where only the best is put out there. And so our expectations for Christmas are set so high. And it probably won't line up with reality, with real life. It probably won't line up with the special memories that we have from our childhoods, no matter how much we try and recreate the magic that we remember. But the reality is that all of this builds an expectation and an anticipation towards an event that will most likely not be satisfied come Christmas morning. There will most likely be some frustration and disappointment at the end of the day because your expectations of the magic of that perfect day were not met. So what I want us to take today is the opportunity to reset the biblical foundations for our Christian expectations that we should have for Christmas. The first thing that we have to agree upon is that something has gone wrong. Sometimes we might not see it so clearly, but something has gone wrong. Something is broken in each of us. There is a brokenness inside each of us that flows out into the world. See, what we see in the Bible is that what is wrong with you and what is wrong with me is that there is a severed relationship between creator God and us that has led to a brokenness in all of us that has overflown into brokenness in our world. And so we live in a broken world. And God, in the midst of our rebellion against him, responds not with destruction, but actually intervenes on our behalf for his glory. The Bible tells us from the very moment of the fracture of the universe God begins to lay out his plan to send a saviour that would rescue us from the mess of our hearts that has spilled over into all of life. In Genesis chapter 3, just after everything went wrong and sin enters the world, God makes this pronouncement. In verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This was the first prophecy of a saviour. Now, I'm not big on boxing or, or martial arts. I've not really been in many fights. And if I have, they've been very, very short. But I'm pretty sure that a crushed head beats a bruised heel. Right? I'm pretty sure that's what wins in a fight. And so the first promise made by God as the world has just descended into sin and chaos, God says, I'm going to fix this. He says to the serpent, the embodiment of evil, there will be a man born of a woman who will crush your head. And a few chapters later, God says to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonours you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so God says a few chapters after his promise to crush evil that through the line of Abraham, he is going to bless all the families of the earth. And so we don't have a God who is strictly vengeful against those who are disobedient, but a God who is working on behalf of those in rebellion to save and rescue some for the glory of his name and the good of our souls. And then from there we have Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 to 15. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. He'll be born in miraculous circumstances. And the Saviour who is to come will know poverty. You see, he will not be born in a palace. He will know curds and honey, which is the diet of a peasant. So not only will the Saviour that is to come, that will crush the head of the devil, that will bless all the families of the earth, he will be born of a virgin mother and he will be acquainted with poverty. We see from the accounts of the Gospels, these prophecies are fulfilled. Then we come to Isaiah chapter 9. Verses one to seven. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness. will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so for the first time in prophecies, in in the scriptures, we find out that this Saviour is not just a mere man who is going to show up and assume David's throne, drive out Rome and become an earthly king. This is God himself, wonderful counsellor, mighty God coming himself to fix what's wrong, crush the head of the enemy, bless all the families of the earth. God is going to do this himself. Something about this that we can easily miss if we don't understand the background of this region is the importance of Galilee. So Galilee is in the north of Israel, surrounded on one side by uh, the sea, and on the other by mountains. And since the nation of Israel took possession of the land, every army, every invading force had come down through the north, through Galilee, ransacking, pillaging, and burning the city on their way to Jerusalem. And when defeated, they would do the same in retreat. This is the tumultuous history of Galilee. But we see here in this text, in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1, we see that Galilee was going to be the source of where the light out of darkness comes from. It was a place marked by centuries of death and violence, a lack of safety and stability. The people that lived in Galilee only probably lived there because they were too poor to live anywhere else. And yet this becomes ground zero for the divine intervention, which is spectacular. Now, how is God going to come in and crush the head of the enemy, bless all the families of the earth and eradicate oppression and slavery and injustice? How is he going to do that? Well, Isaiah 53, lets us know. Who has believed that he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. What's happening here is we are seeing how God in the flesh will crush the head of the enemy, will bless the families on the earth, will destroy oppression, shame, slavery and injustice forever. That God will come, Jesus Christ will come, put flesh on, humble himself, walk amongst us and he will bear our griefs. He will pay for our iniquity. He will make atonement for our rebellion and he will account to us righteousness that Is not ours, but rather is his. The coming of the Saviour was never going to be about military might. It was always going to be something altogether different. A hard restart in the soul of man, a wrath absorbing righteousness giving Saviour to the world. And for a couple more promises, we see Micah 5, 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. The eternal Christ, the ancient of days, God in the flesh. And Matthew 1, 21. She will bear a son, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So from the very beginning of the fracturing of our world, the promise repeats over and over and over again of a saviour who is coming, who is going to crush the head of the enemy, bless all families on the earth who will right our relationship with God and enable us to have a relationship with God that isn't built on religious practice, but on intimacy in walking with him. We read that this Saviour will bring about the ultimate destruction of darkness, slavery, oppression, that he will institute a reign of peace, that our sins will be atoned for once and for all, and that he will account to us as righteous even though we are not. We will have a new ruler over our hearts. We will be saved from sin. That's the promise. If you haven't worked it out yet, that Saviour is Jesus Christ. And so, what we're celebrating at Christmas is that God has kept His promise to send the Saviour. And that Saviour is Jesus Christ. We are powerless to accomplish what has been said, He alone would accomplish in Jesus Christ. We are powerless to crush the head of the devil. We do not have that power. We are powerless to bless all the families on the earth. I mean, it's hard enough just trying to bless our own family, right? We so often respond to blessing not with praise, but with entitlement, like it's something we deserve. We certainly can't bless all families on the earth. We certainly can't transform hearts. All we can do is bless people with transient, temporary things. Only God can transform hearts. We are powerless to eradicate destruction, oppression and violence. We are unable to usher in peace on earth. This Savior can. But we never will. We need a Savior that can usher in legitimate peace. We need this Savior. We need this Ancient of Days. We have been promised this Savior. And God has given us this Savior. But most importantly, we need to surrender. And let this Saviour rule over our hearts. Only this Saviour can set us free from sin. And God has fulfilled his promise to rescue us and save us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So this is what we need to celebrate at Christmas. This is what needs to be central in our focus for Christmas. God has rescued us. So what do we do with anticipation? What do we do with the expectation that are built for Christmas? Well, I reckon we can redeem them. Anticipation and expectation redeemed is when we begin to believe and embrace that the same God who promised that Jesus would show up And accomplish these things so that Jesus would return and this time not as a baby. When Christ returns, he will not come as a baby that needs to be swaddled. When Christ returns, he comes to judge the living and the dead, to bring judgment on the nations. He will not come to shepherds. Instead, he will crack open the sky and return as the king in a mighty event that could occur at any moment. That's how we redeem anticipation and expectation. We place them in the return of Christ, the coming, the second coming. That's what we should be anticipating and expecting as it could happen at any moment. So this Christmas, yes, let's look back and marvel at the promise of a Saviour that God has given us. But let's also look forward to what is coming in the future with gratitude and hope. Keep <clears throat> Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author And perfecter of our faith. And so for you when it comes to your moments on Christmas, when it comes to Christmas morning, remember our anticipation is not supposed to be met in the temporary, but it's going to be met in the eternal. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do indeed bring you glory because, Lord, you gave us a promise. From the very beginning, you gave us a promise that you would defeat evil, that you would bless the nations of the earth, that you would crush evil, that, Lord, you would bring a great light, a great hope, a great victory over sin for us. And Lord, we at Christmas celebrate the promise of a Saviour that you fulfilled. And so may we at this Christmas celebrate you, celebrate that you have promised us this Saviour and that you have delivered. You have given us the gift of Jesus Christ and may we give that same gift to others and introduce them to you. So I pray pray a special blessing upon each of the families within our church, that, Lord, you would bring us blessing as we celebrate the promise of a Saviour that was fulfilled. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.